ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad you've tuned in. My name is Ernest Wamboy, and today we're continuing our series on choosing a life partner, and we have talked about what it means to prepare for marriage, and we've looked at our lives as individuals. We've looked at what we ought to do in our lives as individuals in order to prepare for marriage. We talked about uh, thriving in your singlehood. We talked about ensuring that Christ has preeminence in your heart and making sure that no human being uh, takes the place of Christ in your heart so that when people come into your lives, they're not idols. And we want you to date without making people idols. We want to ensure that when someone comes into your life, you love them, but you never idolize them. You never place them at the place of Christ. You never have them more important than Christ because that's a recipe for unnecessary heartbreak. Do you hear that? Unnecessary heartbreak. There are some heartbreaks that are unnecessary. They can be avoided. And the way they can be avoided is by ensuring that we do not have idolatrous positions in our hearts, or we don't have people take idolatrous positions in our hearts. And we say that's important because uh, it boils down to identity. And then we talk about pursuing our purpose passionately. And we say that the life of Adam was not characterized by just sitting and waiting for Eve. Adam had a passionate pursuit of his purpose. When you walked up to Adam, in the Garden of Eden, and you asked him what he was up to, he would tell you, I'm all, I'm all about tilling the land, taking care of Eden. He had a domain of purpose. And we're asking you, what is your domain of purpose? What has God called you to do? It's important that you pursue this permanently, uh, p- passionately rather, not permanently. Well, even permanently. <laughs> but rather you pursue it passionately uh, as you think about a life partner and we talked about your spiritual gifts your heart your passion your abilities natural acquired abilities your personality your experiences and we talked about living a life of accountability we see that adam is not just in the garden of eden by himself adam is in truth living a life of accountability the things he does the things he says the things he's subjected to are because he's under the authority of God's word. God's word gave him direction. He was free to roam everywhere in the Garden of Eden and eat of every tree. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he was not to eat of it. For the day that he ate of it, he would surely die. And then we looked at being the one, and we said we need to do some homework before we consider anything else. We need to investigate our personal baggage. And um, I'm not sure if I share this with you, but uh, my my dealing with my personal baggage had to do with addressing an addiction to masturbation, an addiction to pornography. And we said, don't assume that these things will just disappear. You must deal with them. You must uproot them before you get married. And then we said, enhance your personal development. Make sure you're improving yourself. Make sure you're making yourself very attractive. And then finally, we talked about learning from older men and women, making sure that you are uh, subject to people who know more so that you're not, um, you're, you're not blindsided because there's a lot you can learn and you can avoid unnecessary mistakes. And today we're going to talk about the third section of the series, which is open yourself up to the gift of marriage. Open yourself up to the gift of marriage. Now, before we talk about opening us opening up ourselves to the gift of marriage, you must understand what marriage is. The first marriage um was is clearly described in the book of Genesis chapter two, and I'm gonna read some verses there so that you can just see what God's original template of marriage was. 
and you can understand what you're getting into. Because when you say marriage, many single people get excited and they say, yes, we are ready. We want to get it. We want to move in together. We want to share the same bed. You know, we want to get, uh, we want to have sex. You know, we want to have all sorts of things. You know, we want to go to holiday, go for holidays together. Uh, we want children. We want to wake up next to one another. And that's great. But we often think about marriage in flowery terms, especially informed by pop culture and informed by entertainment. And there are truths that entertainment and pop culture tell us about marriage, but often they don't give us the gravitas of what God has called marriage. And the best way to look at the gravitas is to look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says that, um, so let me, let me just go a bit, a, 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 a bit, um, I wanted to read from verse 24, but let me go, let me go, let me go to verse 21 so that I can, so that the context of this is understood. The Bible says, so the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And when he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord had taken, then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The Lord said, oh, sorry, the man said, verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Finally, verse 25, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. All right. So I want you to look at this. Um, it's interesting that the Bible begins by saying when the man was in a deep sleep, the Lord did something. And this is how you open yourself up to the gift of marriage. You start by waiting on God patiently. Perhaps you're saying, honest, I have Christ as Lord of my life. He's preeminent. Uh, I'm pursuing my purpose passionately. I'm living a life of accountability. I'm investigating my personal baggage. Uh, I've investigated. I'm working on it. I've worked on most of it. You know, I feel like I'm really ready and healthy. I have enhanced my personal development and I'm still enhancing my personal development. I've, and I've learned from older men and women. I've subjected myself to the authority. Honest, I am ready. Come on, you know, let's do this. So, it's good that you do all that, but you must understand that prior to Eve coming to Adam's life, Adam slept. And the Bible says the sleep came from the Lord. He fell into a deep sleep, almost as if he was comatose. And we see that during this deep sleep, the Lord conducts a surgery. He takes one of the man's ribs and closes up the place with flesh. So Adam had a cut on his side, uh, and this could also be the world's first surgery. Had the rib removed, pulled, dislocated, pulled out, and the Lord healed it, and then healed the place with flesh. Healed, he closed up the place with flesh. And Adam is in a place of waiting. Do you see that Adam uh, goes into the deep sleep, and the deep sleep is significant. It represents rest. It represents perfect waiting. It represents waiting patiently. It represents a lack of anxiety in trusting God for your life partner. Now, many of us don't rest, don't have a deep sleep. Many of us um, are anxious. Many of us are um, frustrated. We think about marriage and go like, oh my goodness, shall I make it? 
Shall I find someone? Let me encourage you that if God could find Adam a meat in a world where there were no human beings, surely he can get you a meat in a world with 7 billion human beings. Isn't that true? Adam had no person, <laughs> no chances, no selection process. <laughs> he only had himself, yet God got him a mate. Surely God can therefore get you a mate in a world where there are billions of human beings. Don't give up. Don't give up. God has his people for you. All you need to do is rest. Throughout the Bible, whenever the Lord is working, his people are always commanded to rest, to be still. I remember in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, when the children of Israel were leaving uh, Egypt and the children of Israel were told by the Lord in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Why were they panicking? That's because Pharaoh had changed his mind. Pharaoh was coming hot on their heels and Pharaoh had his entire army and these guys knew they were dead. They were trapped between the sea and Pharaoh. And you can imagine the anxiety. And I don't know what anxieties come to you when you think about preparation for marriage. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm trapped, be- I'm trapped between uh, a- a- a parents who had a divorce and um, a boyfriend who wants to marry me and who I don't think is really committed to me. I'm trapped between an ex uh, whom I got pregnant, you may be saying, another guy, and um, the possibility of not having anyone who would want to marry a man like me. The options um, perhaps look bleak for you, as they did look for Adam. But look at what Adam did. First, Adam ensured that he had thrived in his singlehood. He had, he, he had worked on himself. He became the one before he looked for the one. But now Adam is in a deep sleep. Friends, I want you to patiently wait, patiently rest. Um, anxiety does nothing. Panic does nothing. In fact, um, it was Corey Ten Boom who said that um, worry does not drain tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. Just think about that. But worry does not drain tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. It is true. The many times we are worried about tomorrow. Oh my goodness, what will tomorrow look like? What will happen tomorrow, tomorrow? And in doing that, there is a strength for today that we miss out on. And that strength for today is lost totally. We empty the strength needed for today. The strength for today must be utilized. And worry robs you of utilizing that strength. What ought you to do? You ought to be patient. You ought to wait patiently. What does waiting patiently look like? You need to pray. This is how you open yourself up to the gift of marriage. Pray to the Lord. Are not prayers of anxiety, not prayers that command him around? Prayers of peace, prayers of trust, prayers of hope, prayers of praise. Praise him. Prayers of, of intimacy. Get to know your God before your partner comes into the picture. These are the kind of prayers you ought to make. Be patient. Patiently also means... um. Um, don't don't jump to conclusions anytime you meet someone. You may meet someone and you may think, oh my goodness, finally I'm going on a date. It's been what? It's been one year. I've not been on a date. This must be the one. Don't start choosing wedding colors. Relax. Take it easy. Take it easy. 
So Adam sleeps. So this is how you open yourself up to give to marriage. Adam sleeps. But the Bible says that then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. So secondly, the Lord made a woman for Adam. God prepares a mate for you. So you must also have hope that um, as you've worked on yourself, that God is working out, is, is working on someone. He's preparing someone. So as Adam has been in the garden, he's been ready, he's been prepared. God also prepares a woman for him. Many people who I meet, who uh, I ask them, thrive in your singlehood, be the one to look for the one. You know, they get so frustrated, they say, Alex, why am I doing all this? What if the other person is not ready? What if I ready myself and the other person is not ready? And I tell them, if you are not ready, guess what? They won't be ready. And if they are ready, God forbid they don't find you ready because all you are doing is complaining how you are working on yourself and they are not working on themselves. First of all, you do not know they are not working on themselves. You have jurisdiction over yourself. You see, people who ask that question, people who say that have a control issue. They want to control everything. They want to control the situation. They, have a tr- they want to control God. <laughs> you you cannot trust him. You cannot put your hope in him. Yet God says, put your hope in him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Walk with him. Do your part. And look at what God does. God prepares a woman for Adam. Are you confident of this, that our God is a good God? That our God will not let you prepare yourself and yet let someone else on the other side go ahead and just come into your life, waltz into your life unprepared. Now here suppose say, oh, but honest, I know of a friend of mine who really prepared themselves and the other person they married was not prepared themselves. Well, that was not God's fault. That was your friend's fault. Your friend perhaps did not wait patiently. And so the first thing that came, they ran for it. You see, when you trust that God is preparing someone for you, you don't, you don't, you don't worry about your own preparation. Because you know that first of all, your preparation is not necessarily just for the other person. It's also just for you. You must see your preparation as for you. You must see yourself as uh, needing that kind of preparation, whether or not you get married. But you must see yourself as a gift to that other person. And so trust that God is preparing them. So God prepares a wife for Adam. Trust that God is preparing someone for you. The Bible goes on to say, and he brought her to the man. This is how you open yourself up the gift of marriage, that you allow God to do the selection process. You see, God gives you a will, gives you a sovereign free will, and that's good. And you know what God does with a sovereign free will? He gives you freedom to choose. But God also gives you wisdom to choose. God doesn't just give you freedom to choose. He also gives you wisdom to choose. And it's not enough for you to say, oh, I've got freedom to choose. That's good. But guess what? You also have wisdom to choose. Freedom and wisdom must partner. Freedom and wisdom must marry before you get married. (laughs) I like that. Freedom and wisdom must marry before you get married. Your freedom to choose must marry with the wisdom of God's word so that the Lord brings the right people. If you just use your freedom, you will choose every kind. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry in town will come your way. Every Jane, Esther, and Lucy will come your way, you know? And, and, and you'll find that you will not be consistent. Your selection process will not be consistent with the work you've been doing on yourself. God's wisdom allows God 
to be involved in the make in the, in the decision making process. And at times that means, um, one of course talking to the Lord directly through prayer, so that He is involved. And the Lord speaks. The Lord speaks through His Word. The Lord speaks through dreams and visions at times. Okay, and those dreams and visions always align with His Word. No dream and vision from the Lord will contradict His Word. Uh, the Lord speaks through people. And so you must be subject to the older men and the older women I told you about. God will speak through them, uh, filter the people through them, understand them. And God speaks through um God, God God speaks through your conscience, you know. He addresses things to your conscience, he speaks to you, he convicts you of things, um, and he shows you the path you should go. You must involve God. So God brings the right person to you. And I'll tell you this, many people who get married <clears throat> normally say, this, married people speak the truth, I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I feel at times uh, when we're single, we don't speak the truth. <laughs> and I'll explain. Uh, single people see a marriage partner, a potential marriage partner with so many flaws, so many issues, so many red flags. And because the anticipation to marry overrides the clarification of this person's weaknesses, they just go ahead and say, ah, no, it's not a big deal. Married people are honest. Married people say, you know what? I did see those red flags. I, I saw him. Whenever I would go out, I'd, I'd constantly see him take several glasses of wine. And I kept wondering, surely, um, you know, will it always be like this? And, and I saw him take one too many. You know, I always saw her. She, whenever, whenever, whenever I'd correct her, whenever I'd tell her she's done something wrong, I, I would see her face scowl. I would see her get incorrigible. I would see her get angry. I would see her get upset, you know? And she, she would be in a foul mood for the next 20 minutes. And there would be tension. would not be able to talk about anything. But I kept thinking, oh, but she's so cute when she's angry. Now, when you get married, you realize you don't want to get married to a woman like that. A woman who is meant to create a wonderful uh, environment in the home, but yet she's sulking and angry the whole time. And, and married people speak the truth. Married people say, you know, we did see these red flags. I'm saying to you, single people, speak the truth. Admit the truth. When you see these red flags, admit them. When God brings you the right person, you will know it's the right person. Now, God has not been your perfect person. God forbid. Well, for Adam and Eve, they were perfect for one another. Why? Because they were not sinful. Adam and Eve were not conceived in sin. But you and I are conceived in sin. So the last perfect mate was Eve, and the last perfect mate was Adam. But you and I are conceived in sin, so you will find someone who's got weaknesses here and there. But you must find someone who's progressing. Not someone who's perfect, but someone who's progressing. Someone who is concerned concerning improving their lives. When you look at their lives in totality, they may not be perfect, but they are progressing. And so God will never give you a perfect person. God will always give you some sort of raw material. And God does that so that marriage can serve the purpose of sanctifying you. The Bible then goes on to say, the Lord God made a woman. He brought her to the man. Verse 23. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He shall be called woman for she was taken out of bond. So let's dissect that. He says, no, this is now bone of my bone. Adam has reached the final search, the finality of his search. He says, this is now bone of my bone. Uh, I think it's the Holman Christian Bible that says, finally, this is bone of my bone. Uh, the NLT says, at last. <laughs> what does that mean? Now. Finally, at last, Adam has reached the end of the selection process. And we know there's a selection process because 
if you read verse 20, it says, when Adam named the animals, there was no suitable helper found for him. So it's very clear that Adam named the animals and he noticed that the animals were in pairs, male and female, male and female, male and female, right? Gender is binary. <laughs> male and female, male and female. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found for him. And he said, Lord, since gender is binary, I need someone for me. And none of the animals are suitable. So when Eve comes, Eve is suitable. Eve is his species, Eve is his kind, Eve is the right one for him, Eve is someone who also, like Adam, if I could refer to the first podcast, Eve has Christ as preeminent in her life, God is preeminent in life, Eve is purpose and is purposeful and she's passionate about it, Eve is ready to be accountable to God, Eve has come without her personal baggage, Eve has come with personal development, Eve has come subject to other people. Those are the points from the previous podcast. Eve has come, she's ready. And when Adam sees it, Adam says, this is born of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This is now born of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Adam has reached the end of his search. I'm saying this because if you want to open yourself up to the gift of marriage, when you find the right person, you must declare the end of your search. What does that look like for men? Men, you must make the pursuit. You must make the pursuit and you must focus on this lady and you must make the pursuit and you must be clear that this is born of my own flesh and my flesh. I'm saying that because many times men close themselves up to the gift of marriage because they don't make the pursuit clear. Gentlemen, you must make the pursuit clear. When you find this woman, you must say, hey, you know what? Um, I really like you. I would really like to get to know you. Um, could we Could we go on a few dates? You know? Make it clear. And when you get to see that this person is someone you have to marry, you, you, you must take the bold step and ask them, could you be my girlfriend? Would you be my girlfriend? Would you? And, and you must make it clear that when you're asking them to be your girlfriend, you're not asking them just to be it for fun, like the culture. You have the intention of marriage. Many men uh, in the church, at least from my interactions with people, at least in the Kenyan church, I don't know if this is true in other countries, but you find that many men in the Kenyan church hang around a woman, you know, you spend time with her, you drag her on, you take her on these dates, but you're not saying anything, you're not committing. And then God forbid she finds out that you also took her friend for a date. Now she's heartbroken and she feels like she has no reason to cry because, I mean, you want an item. Gentlemen, be like Adam. Be like Adam. Declare this is now born of my bones, flesh of my flesh. You must reach your now moment, your finally moment. You must reach your aha moment. You must reach your this is it moment. Adam is very clear when he sees Eve. He does not waste time. He does not look around. He makes his move. He makes it clear. Eve hears this word and Eve knows that she belongs to Adam. Gentlemen, you must do that. Now, what about the women? Women, you must avail yourself to the pursuit for the pursuit. You must say, you know what? Um, God this man has come. He's the right one for me. I will accept him. Don't play the games of the culture. Oh, um, let me think about it. Give me six months to think about it. <laughs> Don't be unkind. If you know that this is the person you ought to marry, say yes to him. Don't waste time. Uh, don't say, um, well, um, we will see. And perhaps you say that because you want to still go for a few other days with other guys who you know you have no intention of marrying. You must see that Adam and Eve open themselves up to the gift of marriage when Adam says, finally, now Adam makes his move, Eve accepts the pursuit. So women, you must accept the pursuit. You must give in to him. 
Uh, don't go on the date with your friends. What are you doing when you go on the date with your friends? He's meant to meet you alone, but you go, you show up with your girlfriends on that date. You're closing yourself up to the gift of marriage. You're not opening yourself up to the gift of marriage. The relationship is between you and him. And look at what happens after all that. The wedding comes in. The first wedding. The first wedding was a garden wedding. The Garden of Eden. Verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Look at that. Now, Adam and Eve did not have a father and a mother, but the writer of this text was Moses, wrote it for the benefit of everyone who had a mother and a father, and say to them, when that time comes, you will leave your home of origin, and you'll be united to your spouse, and you'll become one flesh, there'll be a newness, there'll be a new home. Please also, please understand this, that one way of opening up yourself to the gift of marriage is starting to leave your family of origin. And you do that slowly uh, if, if you're not yet married. Um, some of you need to learn how to uh, pay your own bills. You need to learn how to uh, have your own documents. You know, uh, you've depended on your parents for so long. Know how to do your own errands. Your parents have done so many things for you. Be an independent individual, you know. Learn what it means to run a home. Learn what it means to fix a car. Learn what it means to have a budget. Uh, start to make yourself independent from your parents. Start the living process. You know, start to uh, make a decision concerning your faith. Perhaps you go to the church that you go to simply because your parents go to that church. But you've never made the decision to go to that church on your, on, on your own volition. You must ask yourself, what church is suitable for me? I need a church that is suitable for my faith. And you look for that kind of community. Perhaps the friends you've grown up with are simply the friends that your parents, uh, are the children to your parents' friends. And you don't have your own friends. You've not selected these friends. And you must ask yourself, who are the right friends for me? You must start the process of preparing yourself for the gift of marriage by having your own life. Leave mother and father. Now, of course, when you get married, you now live completely. You live completely. You you are not attached to them. You 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 don't depend on them anymore. And this what this is what this verse also means. It means that the moment you get married, your spouse becomes your priority. Your spouse becomes your priority. So you leave mother and father, and you cleave to your spouse. Which means your parents, who've been with you most of your life, take second place. Your spouse takes first place. You know what that means? That means this is the best time to invest in your parents when you're single. If there are things you want to do with them, if there are memories you want to create with them, create them. I'm not saying you cannot create these memories when you're married. Of course you still can. But you must understand that in marriage, your spouse is your priority. Other things you want to prioritize your, 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 your parents, uh, you have to prioritize with your parents. Do them now. If you're single and you're earning money, go with your parents on holiday. Do it because when you get married, the priority for the holiday will be your spouse. Not to say that you cannot take your parents on holiday, you can, but only after you've attended to your partner. And so it helps you live and cleave. So by the time you're getting married, there's no regret. I should have done this with my parents. I should have done this with my parents. You've already done it. In fact, you feel ready. You feel like, yes, I've left, I've cleft, because I've really done everything I could have with my parents. Priority. And then finally, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I want you to see 
that Adam Sadiv's nudity is brought in is brought into highlight um, after they've been joined in holy matrimony. Sexuality is opened up or revealed in the context of marriage. What am I saying? Verse twenty five comes over after comes after verse twenty four. Sexuality comes after holy matrimony. This is the best way uh, to just say this, guys. Um, if you don't live a life of sexual integrity, you close yourself up to the gift of marriage. Look at Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve open themselves up to their sexuality only after they've become joint in holy matrimony. They become one flesh. Sex is for marriage. Sex is not for dating. Sex is not for courting. Sex is not for cohabiting. Cohabiting is not even part of God's will. Sex is for marriage. All sexual activity, kissing, touching, fondling, anything that gets you aroused sexually should be reserved for the marriage bed. If you start kissing and touching, if you start getting yourself involved sexually, before you get married, you are closing yourself up to the gift of marriage. Because what you're doing, you're opening up yourself to lust. And this is what lust does. Lust kills a man's vision. And many men who get involved in lustful activities as a woman, uh, they get the desire to marry that woman dissipates. This is the reality. Women who get sexually involved with men outside of marriage, uh, the respect they have for that man dissipates. So what are you doing when you introduce lack of desire and you introduce disrespect to a marriage by the man and the woman respectively? You kill the chances of that relationship ending up in holy matrimony. And even if it does end up in holy matrimony, it ends up into holy matrimony with crutches, with weaknesses. The way you open yourself up to the gift of marriage is that you ensure that you pursue a life of sexual integrity, personally and corporately, as a dating couple. Ladies, don't allow your, your lips to touch his until he's yours. Gentlemen, don't, don't, don't allow your body to be used for sexual pleasure until it is has. Give yourselves as a gift to one another in holy matrimony. And I'll tell you this, couples who walk in sexual purity often have a very clear vision concerning their marriage. I have noticed that your consecration increases your concentration. Purity enhances vision. Your consecration increases your concentration. But impurity destroys clarity of marriage, clarity of vision. Are you opening yourself up to the gift of marriage? Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. My name is Anis Homboy, and this is the Relationship Center podcast on the Edify Podcast Network. For more great podcasts that will edify you and build up your faith, please go to www.edify.app. That is E-D-I-F-I dot A-P-P, or you can go to the Google or the Apple Play Store. See you next time. Yeah.